0: The views from the 573 podcast. Hope you all are doing well and staying safe. We got a lot to get to this week, so we're gonna get right on into it. NBA NCAA NCAA tournament, the madness has begun. NFL free agency, some draft stuff is starting to heat up. You know, it's that time of year for the NFL. I'm excited for it. So let's get right on into it. Let's talk about the tournament, guys. Let's talk about the tournament real quick because that's the thing that's on everybody's mind with this tournament and of course everybody's bracket has been busted. It was busted the first day with all the upsets that were happening on day number 1. And I got to tell you it's been it it was a fun first few days of this tournament. Of course with the first four with those play-in games and then you had round 1 officially starting later last week. And we got the Sweet 16 coming up this weekend, the second weekend. We got the Sweet 16 coming up starting tomorrow along with the Elite Eight to figure out who is going to be advancing to the Final Four. There are only three one seeds that are left. Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan. I believe I I said that Michigan was probably going to be in the tougher bracket that still may hold to be true, but I can't say the same for Illinois, who was knocked out by Loyola Chicago. i tell you, it's it's something about that university, you guys. I, I I don't know what it is. Ever since <laughs> they appeared in the tournament a couple years ago with Sister Jean, it, it's just, it, it's been something. It, like, n- there can be no wrong that they can do, you know, and so... I think it was probably only logical that we probably picked them to be the number one seed. I mean, with the way things have been rolling for them the last couple times they've been in the tournament, I mean, all bets are off. But Illinois, they're knocked out. I obviously had them going to the championship game, obviously falling short, losing to Gonzaga. And then, thankfully, Gonzaga's still on here. But I'm sure a lot of other people had Illinois. Coming out of that bracket, playing whoever was coming out on the other side of the bracket. Maybe they had Baylor coming out and playing in the championship. Baylor's looking really strong. They're looking like the Baylor team that a lot of people saw early in the season. You know, they completely thrashed their first couple of opponents. They they look like that Baylor team you saw towards the beginning before they had COVID issues. Couple other. Things to take note of, of course, the teams that had some COVID, speaking of COVID issues, teams that had COVID issues prior to the tournament, Virginia, Kansas, Virginia gets knocked out, upset style by Ohio in round number one at 13 in the 13-4 matchup. And obviously, Ohio went on to play Creighton and end up losing that matchup. Then you had Kansas. They did move on to Eastern Washington, although they did have – Eastern Washington did give them some problems there. They went on to face USC, and USC just completely thrashed them in that game. There's nothing Kansas could do. They did get a couple of players back, but, I mean, when, when you're coming back from COVID, you're gonna, still going to have some issues that are going to pop up. You're still recovering from it. So, Kansas, they get knocked out by USC. They're moving on. We have Iowa getting knocked out by Oregon. Now, Oregon, they didn't play in their first game because VCU had COVID issues pop up, and that's something I think we all kind of thought there was going to be a team that had these issues come up and that they weren't going to be able to play. So it's unfortunate that it happened to VCU because you don't know if they could have beat Oregon or not. I mean, Depending on how you saw Oregon play Iowa, maybe not because Oregon was is looking pretty hot right now. But it's a it's that's a tough go. It's a tough go for VCU. They I know they would have won the shot uh, as in any other team that would have missed it. But Oregon they moved on. They played Iowa, who of course has Player of the Year Luke Garza there. He put on a show in this game, but they just came up short and losing this game. So, you get a Pac-12 matchup in the Sweet 16 in the West Bracket, USC versus Oregon. So, for all you Pac-12 fans, that's going to be a fun one. Some other matchups that were really fun. Michigan LSU was really fun. I kind of thought it, it was with how LSU had been playing in, in the SEC tournament, making it to the championship. And uh, there was no shortage of excitement in that game. Florida State and Colorado. Colorado, Florida State. Florida State just completely took over that game. Colorado couldn't do anything about it. UCLA, team that made out of the first four, they're moving on to the second weekend. And I, me and my dad were talking about Abilene Christian upsetting Texas. And speaking of Texas, it's looking like Shaka Smart is going to be heading to Marquette. So... That's a big move from a big-time coach moving from a big program in the Big 12, maybe the best conference in college basketball, moving over to Marquette. So I talked to him about Abilene Christian up saying, Texas and them playing UCLA. I just don't. I think UCLA is just too hot. They They caught fire at the right moment. Johnny Juzang right now is playing amazing for UCLA. He's hitting almost everything. I think they're just too hot. They're feeling it at the right moment. That's what March is about. If you're feeling it in, at the right moment, you can make a serious run and make some noise. And right now, UCLA, I think they can definitely be a team that can make some noise. And they got to play a tough Alabama team. I mean, they got some good guys on that team. They won the SEC Championship for a reason. So that ought to be a fun one in Sweet 16. Moving over to the South. Let's talk about the South and the Midwest real quick. As, talked a little bit about the Midwest at the top, but moving on to the South. North Carolina not moving on. It's a little bit of a shocker. Purdue, the only Indiana team in the tournament so far. So far. Knocked out, first round, North Texas, 13-4 matchup. Another 13-4 matchup. So they moved on. Of course, Illinois we'll went and beat on them. They're playing Baylor in the Sweet 16. Texas Tech and Utah State, they played. Texas Tech and Arkansas played. That was a fun game. Two high-flying teams. Arkansas barely narrowing out a victory there. Florida coming away with a close one against Virginia Tech. I mean close, watching that game that Virginia tech had its chances right there. And they, they back to when they played Duke in the tournament, either the tournament or the ACC tournament and them coming up close and, you know, tough beat for them. Then let's talk about the big one, Ohio state and Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts beating Ohio state. And I said the big 12 or big 10 was, I had a lot of strong teams a lot of those teams are out now going into the second weekend. There's a lot of Pac-12 teams in there. Pac-12 has done pretty good so far. But Oral Roberts, again, if you catch fire at the right time, you never know what's going to happen. And they win and beat, beat Ohio State. They played Florida, and they win beat Florida. So two high-profile teams they just beat, and they're playing Arkansas, another SEC team. In the Sweet 16. So they got a chance to take down a couple SEC Giants. And along with the Big Ten Giant. So good for Oral Roberts. I believe this was the first tournament where we had a 15. A couple 13s. And maybe a 12. I believe is the exact seeds that made it onto the second round. And that was really low as well. That's the first time that's ever happened. And also, I think that the seeding in this Sweet 16 is also the lowest it's been in some time. So that's with all these teams coming in. I don't know what you can say about all these teams coming in, upsetting some of these bigger programs. Just that, you know, maybe it's March, you know. I don't think it's you can say anything about it being COVID. Maybe with Virginia and Kansas, you can make a case that it was that. You know, Bill Self said that Kansas had to play really small, and he's not used to that with his Kansas teams. So that might be, this might be indication, you know, it's just March. You know, crazy stuff happens in March. And, you know, March Madness is somewhat back to normal with the tournament going on and everything. So it's only fitting that we get a lot of madness going on in this tournament. But let's go to the Midwest real quick. Of course, Illinois, losing to Loyola, Chicago. Tennessee, you know, I should have seen it coming. Oregon State, again, another hot team winning the Pac-12, and that's how they got into this thing. They were feeling it. Tennessee not having John Fulkerson, that hurts. And and also not being able to hit a shot on offense. So, Oregon State, they moved on, and they went and played Oklahoma State. And Oregon State took down the projected number one pick in Cade Cunningham. So that's probably the last we'll see of him in Oklahoma State. So took down a five seed and took down a four seed in the team that has the potential number one pick in the upcoming draft. Good on to Oregon State. Syracuse, they're moving on. Of course Syracuse does this. And they're led right now by the coach's son, Buddy Bayheim, who's just knocking down everything, knocking down every shot. It seems like he's he can't miss. You know, he's really catching fire right now at the right moment. Playing West Virginia, obviously two high profile coaches between Beheim and Huggins. Syracuse moves on. Rutgers and Houston second round matchup. Rutgers gave Houston everything. I heard. I was remember watching this game. and thinking, oh, Rutgers is going to move on. This is going to be interesting. Houston, but they just kept fighting back and back, and they eventually moved on to win this game by three points. And so now this sets the stage for this weekend, Sweet 16, Elite 8. Just looking at the matchups right now, I mean, they still have Gonzaga going all the way to the championship, and I think they win the thing. But I do think it gives a chance for a team like Baylor, if they're regaining their form, to make it to that spot to where they're playing Gonzaga in the in the final game, but looking at the Sweet 16 matchups, I think Gonzaga is probably going to beat Creighton. USC and Oregon. You know what? I, I'm not sleeping on Oregon after what they just did to Iowa, and Iowa was a really good team. So i I'm, I'm probably leaning to take Oregon, but USC they got some good players. Evan Mobley Mo is probably a top five pick in the draft, but I'll take Oregon right here. Michigan and Florida State. You know, Michigan not having Isaiah Livers, it's, this might be the game where you really start to feel that loss. So, I'm going to take Florida State. I think I took Florida State to to make the Final Four. I, I was talking to my dad. I was like, did I take Texas or Florida State? Because I kind of really worried about me picking Texas if I did. But, uh, you know, I'll take Florida State there. They're just so athletic. They're a big team, and Michigan not having Isaiah Livers, one of their best players, is going to hurt. You know they're kind of having to figure out some new stuff with him out. So I'll take Florida State to knock off the second one seed in this tournament. That's been knocked off, UCLA and Alabama. I said UCLA is hot. I think this ought to be a fun game. I just think it. Alabama, they got those dudes on that team that, that are really good. Herb Jones, John Petty. They got some really good guys on that team. And they're really coached well by Nate Oates, who if you remember from the from the days he was at Buffalo, he had this he had that team in the tournament. But I'll go with Alabama. So Seth State for Florida St. Alabama in the east and Gonzaga and Oregon in the west. But I and I'll take Gonzaga on Florida State to stick with that Final Four pick right there. Moving on to the South and the Midwest, Baylor and Villanova. Obviously, having Connor Gillespie, Colin Gillespie in this tournament is going to hurt, and this is probably going to be where it shows for Baylor having excellent guards and Deion Mitchell and Jared Butler. It's really going to show. I got Baylor moving on. Arkansas and Oral Roberts. I think this is where the dream ends for Oral Roberts. I got Arkansas. This just this Arkansas team is really good right now. You got Moses Moody. They got some guys on Justin Smith. They got some guys on there that are really good. And so I got Baylor and Arkansas in the Elite Eight in the South bracket. Then look at the Midwest. I'm not going against Loyola Chicago. I had them moving on. Then, I'm sorry to say Syracuse. I think your run ends, and I got Houston. But if Syracuse wins, I'm not going to be surprised because it's March. So, that sets up Baylor-Arkansas, which I have Baylor winning that one. Again, I think they're fighting their stride at the right time. They're returning to their old form. And then Loyola-Chicago versus Houston. I'll take Houston in that matchup, and we'll have a All-Texas final four matchup with Baylor and Houston and Gonzaga and Florida state. And that's where I think we'll be heading into this upcoming weekend and looking into next week with these final four matchups. So it's been a fun tournament so far. It's been really exciting and you can definitely see with all these matchups, all these upsets, the March madness tournament is back. We're definitely feeling it and we're excited about it. So let's talk about, basketball some more but let's head over to the pros talk about the nba trade deadline that went down yesterday huge day as far as trades going down some big names got moved some names didn't get moved some teams didn't make deals that you thought they were so let's talk all about them right at the top and i think we gotta start with the magic who made three deals in this trade deadline They're in a rebuild mode right now. The one that caught my eye was Nikola Vucevic and Alfred Camino getting sent to the Bulls. Obviously, I didn't think Vucevic was going to get traded. The heat has been on Aaron Gordon getting traded, and we'll get to him. But I didn't think Vucevic would have been traded at the trade deadline. I just didn't think think it was going to happen. He's an all-star. But with the Magic, one to get younger, one to rebuild and set up the future. I can see where they're coming from. Nice pieces in this deal. They got a couple first-round picks. They got Wendell Carter Jr., a nice young big man that they can put in Orlando and let him develop. And they also got Arto Porter Jr., which he may or may not be stuck in Orlando or he may get bought out. He may be a buyout candidate. We'll just have to see. There's going to be a lot of contenders that are going to be scouring the buyout market, so he would be an interesting piece for a team that's looking to contend to add. But the Magic, they get a couple young players, and then the Aaron Gordon deal. Talking about the Magic side real quick. Getting Gary Harris, also RJ Hampton, and a first-round pick. Nice haul for Aaron Gordon. So, you got some young guards there in Orlando to work with and see who works, who doesn't. Fultz was looking really strong to start off the year before he got hurt. Now, you got RJ Hampton coming in there along with Cole Anthony. So, you got some nice young guards there that have a lot of potential and see if they can reach it right there. And then, of course, Wendell Carter. I like him a whole lot. I remember the Memphis Grizzlies were talking about getting him and that draft and they end up going the jaron jackson route no problem there but uh nice young big man for orlando to get and of course get gary harris to come along there you know and he's still young even though he feels like he's been around the league a long time he's only 26 so really good haul i think for orlando in trying to rebuild and they also trade evan Fournier, who's had a really good year for This Orlando team going to Boston, which needs some help on the bench, trading him for two second-round picks, and Jeff Teague. So, that could be, Jeff Teague could be another buyout candidate. But Orlando, he for them was getting younger, and uh, they certainly didn't. Now, let's talk about the teams involved in those deals. Celtics, I don't think this is enough for them. They're struggling right now. Fournier does give them some help off the bench in the – coming off with the wings but i don't think it's enough it's it's tough for them they might have to be a team that looks at the buyout market and try to add somebody the chicago bulls you know this is a really interesting move for chicago and what they think their uh roadmap is not only just for this year but for uh the next couple years and, I mean, looking at this team right now, currently constructed, they're not too far out of a chan- out of the chance to get into the playoffs right now. Right now, they are in, if the season ended today, they would be in the play-in game right now. I mean, 19-24, but the team is not bad. Zach Levine, obviously an all-star. You bring in, you have him coming in there you have got Nikola Vucevic. This is an interesting team to see what goes on down the road. And now you got two all-stars and see how they can play together w- with this team. You obviously got some other pieces in there, Kobe White, Patrick Williams. They also bring in Daniel Tice from the Celtics, Markkanen still there. So there's some room there for Chicago if they can uh, if these two all-stars can hit it off really quick. They can maybe, uh, make a run here. I mean, right now the Celtics are falling fast. The Pacers, I don't know what's going on then with them. Toronto, they just traded Norman Powell, which I like the, the haul they got from the Blazers. Getting Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. That's a nice solid haul for Norman Powell. And obviously they keep Lowry. But the Bulls, they got a chance to potentially make some noise here right now. This, uh, From four through uh, four through ten, I mean, anything can happen. There's three games separating the Hornets and the Bulls, essentially, from that fourth spot to the tenth spot. So, a lot can happen with those teams. So, who knows? Maybe Chicago can potentially do something there. Now, for Denver, you know, getting Nicole, uh, getting Aaron Gordon in there, pairing him with Nikola Jokic. Who, and they also got Javel McGee to back him up. You pair him with Yo, the Joker, MPJ, Jamal Murray. They obviously lost a couple of pieces that were really important to their run last year. Mason Plumlee, Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant. They lost a couple of guys on that front line. And yeah, Paul Millsap is still... Decent, but he's not what he once was. And, and so you get a little bit of younger there and you get a really good player in Aaron Gordon who can do really good on offense, can stretch the floor. He's, he, he's become more capable shooter, become a really good defender on that side of the floor. So getting Aaron Gordon, I think for Denver, this is going to be uh pretty huge for them considering the landscape of the West, as we know it right now, with the Lakers, with LeBron being out potentially four to six more weeks with his ankle sprain, and who knows when AD is coming back. You know, he's probably going to be coming back a little bit sooner, but at what percentage? What percentage is he going to be at? He's not going to be at 100, but what's he going to be at? So, you got some room here for the Nuggets to potentially make some noise and move on up in the Western Conference standings. But there's a, some teams in the West that did get better. The Mavericks getting J.J. Reddick. I like that move. Again, the Blazers getting Norman Powell. Even though you lose guys like Trenton Hood, Norman Powell's been great this year. And the Clippers, I think, got a little bit better. You know, they did lose Lou Williams. But you gain a guy in Rondo that has a whole lot of experience, not just with the Lakers team from last year, but in general. So... The Nuggets got a chance here. They got a chance right here. And, you know, with the way the Joker is playing right now, I mean, dude's playing at an MVP level right now. So getting a guy like Aaron Gordon, one of the top guys on the market, and you add some more toughness to that front line and have a lineup where you got Murray, Gordon, MPJ, Joker, that's that's not a bad team right there that you're putting out there along with whoever else you're putting out there as shooting guard, Will Barden, potentially that's not a bad lineup there for Denver to put out there on a night to night basis. So they really got a whole lot better, I think. And they really made a big move here. So they obviously got to be a winner going back to the East. Let's talk about another winner. I think, um, you know, Chicago being a winner. I think Orlando is a winner. You know, even though they traded a lot of key players, they're rebuilding. They got some nice assets now to deal with, with young players, draft picks. But Chicago is a winner. I think Orlando is a winner. Denver's a winner. The Miami Heat are a winner. And they still might not be done concerning who's coming out on the buyout market. Game for Victor Oladipo, <laughs> essentially nothing for Avery Bradley. And for Kelly Olenek, and for some draft picks, you know? And Kelly Olenek's not going to be missed much because they got uh, the Maja Bajinsa from the Kings and giving up Maurice Harkless and Chris Silva. They essentially did not get rid of a whole lot right there. And they end up with Victor Oladipo. And by the way, Rockets... Freaking huge losers. What the crap is going on there right now? With the move with what they got from James Harden as a whole. Yikes. But the Heat, getting Victor Oladipo. Pairing him with this team. who You didn't have to trade up any of your players that you thought you might have to trade. Like a hero, Robinson, somebody like that. You still have those guys. Gorn, Dragets, Jimmy Butler, Bam, boy. Let me tell you what this Heat team is going to be. Uh, it's going to be fun. They're going to be fun. They they might be uh, in NCAA tournament terms. They might hit their stride here soon with how good they're getting and the talent they're adding. They're sitting in the seventh spot right now, twenty two and thirty and twenty three. And again, they might be adding more from the buyout market. Lamarcus Aldridge is reportedly interested in their He, he they're a front runner right now, so we'll see if he goes there. But if they do, that Heat team just gets a whole lot better, adding guys like Aldridge and Oladipo. So, the Heat might be feeling at the, at the right time. And Jimmy Butler's been playing at a good level here, too. There's, you can make a case for a lot of guys that are playing at MVP levels. And, I mean, they have chances. I mean, LeBron's going to be out for a while, and Bede's going to be out for a little bit, uh, little bit while longer maybe a couple of weeks. So you have some chances here. If you're a guy like the Joker, Dame, Jimmy Butler, or somebody else to go try to make some headway on the MVP award. So the heat, they just get a little bit better in, uh, in, in this, uh, trade deadline. So I really like what they did. And, you know, there's a, there's some losers in this as well, the Lakers. I mean, you know, reportedly they were talking about getting Kyle Lowry. They weren't willing to part with Tate Horton Tucker. And so now for the Lakers, they're looking at the buyout market. Drummond, Aldrich, maybe Otto Porter Jr. if he comes available. Maybe there's somebody else that could be bought out. So you got some uh, things to think about if you're Laker Nation. Not having AD for... Couple more weeks and not having LeBron for at least a month, a little bit more. You got to figure some stuff out here before you start to fall. But even if they do fall, I mean, you still got LeBron. he's still got AD. I think they'll be fine. But you do have to worry about you know them not being and not having home court advantage. You know, even though you know what is home court in this pandemic, but. I'll tell you what, this uh, trade deadline was interesting. Teams got better. A lot of teams set themselves up well for the now and for the future. And uh, some teams end up screwing up. And so we'll have to see how this affects the second half of the season. I'm excited to see what what takes place. All right, let's talk some NFL. Let's talk about some stuff going on here with Regency agency still continuing. you got the drafts going on. And I I got to tell you what, guys, My fa- this is my favorite time of the year with all this stuff going on. It, it's just fun. And getting to do all these mock drafts, it's fun. I'm sure we'll be doing one here on the pod soon. We'll have to work some stuff out for the draft. I've talked to Matt to see if, I don't know how we'll do this this year, but I've talked to Matt about trying to maybe do a live coverage of the first round of the draft, like we did on his YouTube channel last year. I don't know if it'll be on his YouTube channel this year, if we did do it, but that's something I've talked with him about. We'll just have to see if it works out because that was incredibly fun. You know, talking about the draft and, and, and this pandemic and with how everything was changed and Goodell in his home and all that stuff. And with how the draft is going to be different this year, it's going to be, pretty much going back to normal for as much we can say normal is right now. Uh, So, that may be a thing we may do. But, that doesn't hinder me enjoying this draft because I, again, favorite time of year, a lot of players are making moves, potentially get drafted higher, and there's some players that could be drafted lower because of injury history popping up, Red flags, consider, uh, considering character and stuff like that. So, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun time. But we still got free agency going on. Some moves have been made. Kenny Galday got signed by the Giants. Which, I'd like Galladay going for the Giants. But holy crap, that deal. I talked to you guys about the wide receiver market last week. And, boy, let me tell you. God, they just ignore that wide receiver market. I guess if you're the Giants, if you have money, you don't spend it because they would spending on a Dory Jackson too. And I, I, I don't know. But Dory, I guess you're just going to see what is it about that knee? Is he going to fully recover from that? Is he going to be the player he once was? And even then, I still think he's just going to be a above average corner. He's going to be fine. He's not going to hurt you that much. But, uh, you know, speaking of former Titans corners, Malcolm Butler going to Arizona who has corner needs. So, who knows if they're going to be taking another corner. They're se- they seem to be building towards an all-in type of mentality for this year with the players they're getting. But, you know, the Giants, I do like adding Galladay to Shepard, to Slayton. I really like adding them to that core right there. And you got Saquon coming back. If you had another, if you had tight end when losing Ingram, that helps. And just build this offensive line. And then I don't think there could be any excuses for Denny Dimes to not succeed. Cause that that's a pretty solid core that they got going around there. If they build the offensive up a little bit and Get, again, get a tight end, get some more offensive linemen in there, really good offensive linemen. It's going to take care of itself. The defense is going to be fine. I mean, the defense looked <laughs> pretty good last year, uh, all things considering for the Giants. That that Giants defense was pretty solid for them. So I think it's just, you know, they're getting Danny some help. You just got to capitalize and We'll have to see if he does. But speaking of NFC East, Ryan Fitzpatrick going to the Washington football team, who might be keeping that name permanently. I like the move. Listen, you know Fitzpatrick is going to have some dumb turnovers, but that defense is so good, and they added to it by getting William Jackson, too, from the Bengals. So you add on to it and make it even more good, that defense is going to be able to stop those teams from scoring on those turnovers from Fitzpatrick. And that probably gives Fitzpatrick more confidence to go out there and sling it. And once every, and every once in a while, Fitzpatrick just goes on an absolute tear and does really well for stretches. And so, and that's a that's doing a lot with confidence, I assume. So, a couple teams in the FC East, I think, get a little bit better. Of course, Dallas getting Dak is going to help them out. They just got to build their defense. Restrengthen the offensive line, considering the guys are getting up there in age. He got some injury concerns. But, uh, NFL free agency has been uh interesting. So, let's talk about some of the teams that I think are probably the winners so far in free agency. Which teams are the winners? Which teams have improved the most? And Washington, I think, is one of them. You know, also adding Curtis Samuel to the mix, to the offense with Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas. It's the makings of a solid offensive core group of weapons right there. And, of course, the defense. I mean, what else do you want me to say? The defense is good. I think the Jets got better. I think they're one of the teams that improved as well. I think they're a winner so far. Getting Corey Davis getting Carl Lawson. You got some decent value in Jared Davis from the Lions. So maybe a change of scenery does help. And I read an article earlier this week that talked about Corey Davis getting the impression that Sam is going to be the guy for the Jets going forward. And so that makes that conversation with the number two pick interesting. Although the Jets are not going to come out and say that Sam's our guy. They're going to they're going to listen. It's the NFL. It's a business. If there's a good offer for Sam, they'll take it. And they'll draft Zach Wilson, most likely, at number two. But if they are keeping with Sam, they can go out, make some trades in this draft, get some more picks. You know, even though the whole thing is, you know, quality over quantity. But, hey, if you got a new quantity of picks, you're bound to hit on some of them. And they're bound to end up being good players. So, if you're the Jets, and if you're keeping Sam, go get some more picks. Improve your team some more in whatever ways you can, whether it's offensive line help and helping Sam a little bit more. Running back, adding a guy like Javante Williams, ETN, Najee Harris to that backfield. Maybe get Sam some more weapons at wide receiver. Maybe get a tight end. Maybe trade down, and maybe you're in a position to draft a Kyle Pitts. To add to that offense, to add to Denzel Mims, Crowder, and a Corey Davis. There's a lot of options there for the Jets. I think they set themselves up pretty well right now with uh, whatever's going to happen. So right now, I think they've improved a little bit right there, and they got some more chances to do that. Obviously, I think the Patriots have improved some. I don't think you can say despite how how much money they gave out this offseason, to not say that they at least improved in some capacity. Adding and getting Trent Brown back, that's a huge plus for the offensive line. Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry. Good tight ends, maybe going back to the old two tight end set days with Hernandez and Gronk. You get Aguilar Bourne, which I didn't I don't like those deals. But at least you're adding some weapons to try to help Cam. And then on defense, Jalen Mills, Devon Godshaw, Matthew Judon to help out with that defense a little bit. And so now the Patriots can go in a number of ways with that 15th pick where they want to trade up or if there's somebody that falls down there that that they like. And if a Devontae Smith falls to 15, you got to take him if you're the Patriots. Then I think you'll have some really good weapons for whoever the quarterback is. Whether it's Cam, or whether you find a QB in this draft, or whether you find a QB later on, whether it be a trade, or maybe next year. And, but that still sets you up with some good weapons there. So, the Patriots, I definitely think, have been a winner. So far, the Cardinals, I think, have been a winner so far. Adding some talent there to, again, they're in a win-now mentality mode. And I think my times have improved some. Now, look, losing Corey Davis and John, who doesn't help on the defensive side of things, but on the offense side of things, say, but I think the defense, you had to improve it. I think it has improved some, but to prove an obvious upgrade there at the edge rusher position, you know, despite his, uh, despite him being hurt last year, despite the contract, despite what the analytics stats might say, it's definitely improvement. To Nico Autry, to Norris Jenkins, you bring back Jayon Brown on a cheap deal. And there's also a possibility I've read that if the price is white, Daquan Jones can come back and give it another shot, probably on another one-year deal. So... For the Titans, I think they definitely improved. And I don't know if they're a winner, but I think they've improved that defense. And, you know, you're just going to have to build your offense, I think, through the draft. But the, there's been a, a, some interesting move. I think the Chargers have been a winner so far. And getting some protection for Justin Herbert. I think that that's really key right there. You add Corey Lindsley, one of the best centers in the draft. You get Matt Flayer from the Cleveland or from the Cleveland Browns. I'm reading this right. I think he's from the Browns, um, or uh, from Steelers. Or uh, I, I'm looking at this Pro Football Focus article. It says Steelers. I thought he's from the Browns, but if not, either way, he's still good. From Pro Football Focus. I mean, from what this from what it says about him, he's really good. It's really going to help solidify this offensive line, and now. For the Chargers, go out and add some more offensive line help. What's stopping you? you know, it's looking like Herbert going to be the guy going forward, and he's got a lot of, of potential. His ceiling is really high. So you got to capitalize on this, especially on his rookie deal. And so and these two guys definitely helps. The Browns haven't been too bad. They're talking a clowning right now, which that's an, another story. But they've really improved their secondary. John Johnson getting him from the Rams. Adding him to that group back there with Ronnie Harrison, Grant Delpit, two young safeties there. Adding a guy like Johnson, who has experience, who's really good. Really helps that defense and bolsters it. And also adding Troy Hill helps their corner room a whole lot more. And, you know, he's a slot corner, but slot corners have become a priority in the way the game is played today. So getting him at a really good deal, two years, $9 million, that's a good move there for the uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Sticking with the AFC North, the Bengals have made a couple big moves here, getting Trey Hendrickson from the Saints to help that defense out. Riley Reef, Mike Hilton stealing from the Steelers there to help their corner situation out so Cincinnati's gotten a little bit better too and the whole offensive line argument's going to be interesting to see as we head to the draft whether they will take Sewell or whether they'll team Joe Burrow back up with his superstar LSU teammate Jamar Chase so a lot of teams I think have improved have won so far in improving their teams and have set themselves up very nicely the rest of this offseason, seeing what they do in the draft. And, again, the draft stuff is heating up right now. A lot of players are making moves up and down the board. A lot of trade talk about who can move up, who can move down. You know, big story in the draft circles have been, has been Caleb Farley, who's having a minor back surgery, but this is going to be a second one. He's also had an ACL tear in recent years and he opted out this past season. So you might be a guy that could fall, but this is my favorite time of year draft time, mock draft time and seeing what all directions could these teams take, you know, teams filling pretty good holes and for agency and improving there, allow some of these teams to go and potentially take best player available or, and maybe if that best player available is a team need, it's even better. So. Favorite time of year, with all the stuff going on, it's all going to get better as we get closer to the draft, which is about a month away. Looking at it, about a month away, so it's uh, it's definitely heating up right here. So when you guys listen to this, this is going to be a late add-on. But as I was uploading the podcast, I've had I'm going to have to re-upload it again because we had breaking news concerning the NFL. Just just what we got done. Discussing a little bit about with potential teams winning the offseason early on so far. And that is this. We've had a couple of trades go down concerning some draft picks being involved. And that is, if you know the Dolphins have had the number three pick, that was Houston's original pick. But due to the Laramie Larry Tunsil trade, that's Miami's pick. And they have traded that number three pick to the San Francisco 49ers for the number 12 pick in this year's draft a 2022 third round pick and a first round picks in 2022 as well and 2023. But there was another trade going on. We'll get to that here in a minute. Obviously, what this means for San Francisco is really huge and is going to be a talking point going forward up until the draft. Trading up to number three in a, in a zone where you're probably going to be taking a quarterback now the 49ers will come out and said because everybody knows what the first impressions are going to be of this like is jimmy g going to be traded Th- those are going to be the first impressions that he's going to be traded or the first questions that hey is he going to be traded where are you going to trade him to and the 49ers will come out and said we well, are not going to trade him he's still our guy and i think there uh, uh, that can be true while also they made this move to trade up to get a quarterback in this draft. Whether that's the Jets not taking quarterback at two, or whether that is them taking quarterback at two, and the 49ers really like the options there with Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And I think you can set those two for a guy, redshirt them a year, and then move on from Jimmy G and make the move there. You do not make this type of move if you. Are not going to look at a quarterback. And with San Francisco looking at quarterbacks, with other teams potentially wanting to try to take a look at Jimmy G, I don't think this is a surprise. I honestly think Lance would make a little bit more sense, but I think you do the same with Fields redshirt them a year, let them learn Kyle Shanahan's system there in San Francisco, and then next year make the transition, move off of Jimmy G and start fresh with a rookie contract there with either Lance or Fields, or maybe even Wilson. We don't know really what the Jets are going to do at two. Are they going to go quarterback? Are they going to shock everybody and keep the pick, but go in a different way, go to a different position? Take Maybe they take Sewell. Maybe they take a wide receiver at two. you know, Or maybe they trade out that pick and a team jumps up to number two Maybe it's Denver, Carolina, teams that are. have been looking at the quarterback market and make a move up there. But the first domino has been made in trying to grab a quarterback in this draft class. So there's a lot of good quarterbacks out there. And so San Francisco, they move up to number three to try to grab their guy there. And who knows, maybe if a Jimmy G package looks good, maybe they make the move. But I think two things can be true. They wanted to get in the quarter, get a quarterback this year, but they want to redshirt him and keep Jimmy G for next year and redshirt him while still getting one of these talented guys coming out in this class. Now Miami was not done there, so they at that point had the number twelve pick and a couple first rounders coming up in twenty two and twenty three and a second, and a third rounder in twenty two that they got from San Francisco. They turn around and make a trade with the Philadelphia Eagles. With the Eagles trading their sixth pick to the Dolphins for the number 12 pick and Miami's own 2022 first round pick. So that's why they made the deal with San Francisco. They trade their number, they trade their own pick in next year's draft while also getting a tw- uh, for keeping a first rounder with san francisco's so they still have a first round pick next year they also swapped mid-round picks with the eagles pick 156 for pick number 123 so the dolphins get back into the top six that easily and they are right back in the thick of things they moved they essentially moved down three picks but have a lot more assets, a lot more draft capital to play with. The only loss there is trading away their own 2022 first-round pick, but they gained a whole lot of capital in that trade with the 49ers. So now they're back in the thick of things in the top 10, and the Eagles, they are now at number 12. And the Eagles are going to be really interesting to see what they do with this draft. Moving down out of the top 10 is an interesting move, but the big thing for Philly here, I think that's also the big thing Philly fans will take away is they could essentially have three first round picks next year, depending if the pick they got from the Carson Wentz trade from Indy turns out to be a first rounder. And now going back to that, there are certain conditions to where a second round pick, but of course in Wentz place, a high percentage of snaps. It was, I think it was like in the 70, 70%, 75% that, that pick turns to a first-round pick, so Philadelphia could have three first-round picks to play with next year. Their own, San Francisco's, and Indies. And so, if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out this year, they could probably go into the quarterback market next year, whether draft or if there's a quarterback out there on the market they want to get via via trade. They have the options now to do so, or If they want to get back into the top 10 this year, they have three first-round picks next year to mess around with and say, hey, we'll trade you the 12th pick and we'll trade uh, one or two of these uh, 2022 picks um, to move back up, which that can be an option. Maybe, hey, for the Jets, possibly. I don't know if the Jets would want to move all the way down the 12. I guess it would just depend on how they feel, but... That's that definitely could be an option, but Philly right now, this is that was probably the move for them is to get three first round picks next year and in all likelihood, to try to deal around with and you know that those could be big going looking down the road in whatever way they want to use them, whether it's this year or next year. So a lot of movement happening in the NFL right as I upload upload the podcast and of course this is going to be added on to the end of it. So bear that in mind, guys, this is going to be and this is a late add on and talking about these trades going down with the Dolphins moving, uh, moving out of the top 10 and back in the top 10 and the Eagles moving out of the top 10 beginning three first rounders. I think that's where we're going to do it for this week. There's been a a lot of stuff going on with the uh, with sports, with entertainment in general. I don't know about a Snyder Cut podcast. We'll have to see. I've uh, talked to some of the people that have been on the podcast before, see if they can check it out. I know one of them checking it out today. So we'll have to see if that works out. I've talked to somebody else and we'll have to see if that works out. I haven't heard back from them yet. So we're going to see if that's going to happen. And uh, talking about some Falcon and Soldier as well with Episode two dropping whatever you want to call it late last night or today, earlier today. And so hopefully uh, we can get back on here soon and uh, sometime soon and talking about some of that stuff. Godzilla versus Kong is coming out next week. Hype for that. Even if it's going to be on the TV screen, I'm hyped for it. I mean, it's Godzilla versus Kong, but uh, hopefully we'll be, back sometime on the entertainment channel and talking about all that stuff because I'm interested in talking about the, uh, with all those properties, talking about them at length, some of the discourse around them and uh, get some thoughts on uh, everything going on with them. So hopefully uh, we'll get some of that action coming up soon on the entertainment channel. So again, hopefully you guys are doing well, staying safe through all this stuff. Going on in the world still, even though things are looking up a little bit. The vaccine's rolling out. But uh, either way, stay safe. Do well through this next week. Have fun with March Madness (laughs) the rest of the way. Uh, If you haven't checked out the Snyder Cut, I will say. Give a little preview here. I didn't mind it, so go check it out uh, Falcon War soldier, go check that out as well. I've really loved the two episodes so far and Godzilla vs Kong. If you're as excited about that as I am, as Peter is, then go check that out and have some, have some fun. Treat yourself. So that'll do it for us here. Everybody again, stay safe. Keep on keeping on during this next week. And until then, we'll talk to you next time.